Hey, this is Bob and the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life, get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is what we do around here from here on out. We had a little bump in the road, but now we're just not dying anymore around here. <laughs> okay, wait. Does that go for everybody that was there on Sunday? Too, is, or? Yeah. Well, oh, I don't know about that. That was, that was a lot of me and Pete were like, "Who's next?" <laughs> oh God, something <laughs> more. Draw straws, or yeah. Well, Pete was fucking. He looked healthy. God, he was so good. Like it was, it was, it was shocking. He had COVID he last. He had COVID last week, and he was killing it. Yeah, he's really going. He so out with his shoes off, I've never seen a guy go completely barefoot behind a drum kit before. Yeah, he does. A, he used to do it only in his uh, white jockey shorts, but I guess those days are behind us. But anyways, for you at home that don't know, we finally had the memorial service for Mike Mart seven mm-hmm. weeks after he died. It was such a beautiful thing, and uh, and I saw some people I haven't seen in twenty and thirty years. It was a fun. Uh, it was a fun thing, but it was like most memorials. Like, uh, there's a sadness and a weirdness, and that's why I don't go to him anymore. Elijah knows. Elijah goes for me now. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, so then it, I get I get a report back from Elijah. Yeah, well, Hoy was there, and so and so was there, and da, da, da. like, oh, good for them. Good for all them. <laughs> because and it started. It started like. But the death of the punk rock generation for me started with Top Jimmy. So the Bicycle Thief, I think, was my band in 99, 2000, 2001. And somebody told me that Top Jimmy wanted to come and see us in Las Vegas at the Mac Center or whatever. And so then I said, give him my phone number and blah, blah. And then, and then I, it was the saddest thing. So then they were texting me and I had to walk out the loading dock to try to find him and i was expecting to see top jimmy and there was this guy in this wheelchair that kind of looked like top jimmy and he was sick and had i think liver problems or whatever and it was it was it was devastating then you know i kind of spent the day with him and it was saying goodbye to him that was in 2000 maybe and um I don't know what year he died. Can look it up. I, and so Top Jimmy literally was only six years older than me, Chuck. And mm, I, and that I was, was 25 years ago. And okay. I was, I was the same as I had, you know, I was a little older, a little chubbier, but I was the same. And he was, you know, the consequences of the lifestyles that we live. And May and, of, May of 2001, Jimmy passed. Yeah. So, so I saw him like, I don't know. To, yeah. I saw him in like November of 99 or something. And he was, you know, he was still top Jimmy. It was still fun and stuff, but, and then there was a slew of them. And at one point I, um, you know, sadly our, our friend Rick Van Satin passed, um, the co co founder co owner of golden voice. And, he, you know, I had a strange relationship with him. I, he, you know, he was best friends with Rob Graves, who was the bass player in our band, who it, things didn't end well or go well. And there was all a lot of, a lot of bad feelings about me and 
Sony sponsor and whatever with Rob and and but Rick didn't hold against me once I got sober and whatever. So we became I don't know, like we were friends. Cause I I've been trying to teach the kids like what's the difference, Chuck, between a friend and an acquaintance? Cause because if you don't know, you're going to make a lot of mistakes in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 have, very I can true. count my friends on uh, on two hands. Yeah, uh, my acquaintances are in the hundreds. Yeah, and and so uh, Sid was asking about it. Like, are all these people your friend? And I was like, well, friend is weird. Like, some of them I was very close with thirty years ago, forty years ago. But friendship and whatever acquaintance, acquaintance a bad word. We need a better word for that relationship with. Well, with that's you what, know what you I know, mean. Well, you got friends, and then you got close friends. So, because Bug asks me that question all the time, he'll say, "Who of your friends are going to be there?" And I'll say, yeah. "Well, of, of the people you know, of my close friends, it'll be this person and this person and yeah, this person." Yeah. So I differentiate because acquaintance is not a word he can say. <laughs> yeah, yeah well it's just that simple <laughs> but so anyway so so rick became close with me and he struggled with addiction i think it's pretty well known and so and then i was working at maps so then i i had put him in rehab and then he then um um i forget who died first it was one or the other anyways i was at one person's funeral either brendan mullen's funeral or Rick's funeral with the other. And yeah, no, it was Rick had died first. So Rick had wanted to go to rehab and it was like right before Christmas. And I, you know, like he was booking rehab and, um, and he did this, he was a very organized guy. And, you know, there's certain addicts that are organized, Chuck. And so he said, he called me and he said, you know, I, I really need to go in somewhere. And we discussed like he, he, he liked this place in Arizona. And I was like, well, you've been there before. I don't, you know, I want to try something different. And, uh, and then we discussed it. And then I thought it was going to be like, like eminent, like within 48 hours or 72 hours. Right. And he said, Oh mm -hmm. no, no, I got, I got this show. I got to do, um, do, I'll go after the first of the year. And then he died on December 30th. And so I was at his funeral with Brendan Mullen. That's what it was. And then Brendan said, you know, Bobby, I, I think I have to talk to you about my pot. I want to stop smoking pot. And, uh, and then I said, well, let's do it. Let's just do it right now. And we were at the funeral, actually, at Hollywood Forever. <laughs> and, uh, and Brendan said, no, no, like, I'll call you. You know? <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. The last guy that said that I really need to quit tomorrow. Right there. Not that you're going to die from paw, but you know what I mean. And it doesn't help anything, though. Didn't you, say, didn't, you tell me that, didn't you tell me that Brandon quit and then died shortly after? Yeah, he was. Yeah, but that was unrelated. Yeah, probably would have yeah, died anyhow. Yeah, you know, that's, that's that's one of my pet so, peeves, man. So that's like two. That's like that's like twenty four years ago. This shit was happening twenty three years ago. I can't. I couldn't take any more of that. So when the next few deaths happened, I just I just opted out. I didn't go to the memorials. I didn't like whatever. And then a very a good friend of mine, a close friend, whatever you call it, Hal Marty Goldberg died, uh, and that was hard. 
not as hard as Mike. Nothing, nothing in my life has been as hard as Mike. Uh, it's just nothing has. You never know. People that irritate you the most have the most profound effect. <laughs> well, uh, wow, I'm going to be, I'm going to be devastating to a lot of people. <laughs> I don't think that's the math on that. I don't think that's the way that plays no, but, out. But I like but your, I, mean, I do like your interpretation. <laughs> but well, that's the truth. Like, uh, you know, I loved how. I mean, these are two people, Mike and Hal. I knew my whole adult life. I mean, I. I knew them my whole adult life, but and how I, I really got sad because he was like the he was like the you know the mate the Rubik's cube of addiction that I had been trying to solve for years. There was just no you know he was my good friend and I tried to help him a hundred times and just I'm sure you have one of those people in your life, Chuck. Like I yeah, tried well, to help I tried to help Marty dead, Goldberg, how many go Marty Goldberg. Here's a funny thing about Hal Negro. So he was a punk rocker and his band was called, what was it called? Hal Negro and the Satin Tones, right? And they played at the Mask and all the original clubs and whatever. And it was he was a lounge singer. Brendan Mullen was the drummer. And um, and then he became, he went, you know, he got sober and he went to law school and he became a lawyer. So then he kind of took his original name back, which was Marty Goldberg. And then I just could never call him marty goldberg though a lot of people call him that and i always called him um hal negro until the political correctness started <laughs> i just started calling him marty goldberg <laughs> he, he, he didn't change his name because of the pre pressure from woke culture he changed it because he became an adult and he was a lawyer um because i don't think you can go into court and uh, who's representing the plaintiff? Uh, Hal Negro. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the other day. Somebody somebody asked me, who's this about about smog? And I just paused for a second. And he was like, I'm Greg. I yeah. So smog. Yeah. Well, the sad thing about smog, it's such a great name. Smog vomit. He never wanted that. Like rock, rock vodka. The, you know, Mike Mart has such a cool name that sounds like a made-up name, right? Mm -hmm. And and so then Rock said he's going to be Rock Vodka, and then he named Smog Greg Smog yeah. Vomit, and Smog really never wanted to yeah. be called Smog Vomit. No, which is that's sad <laughs> when you get given a name you don't want to be. That's kind of sad. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be something you, you don't want. You can't choose. <laughs> You can't choose it's a nickname. To be. You're not supposed no. to choose your own nickname. Oh, no. I know. Well, <laughs> my nickname through all the years is Bobby Buckskin. And I've never minded that. I don't mind being called that. I do mind being, you know what I do mind is when people I don't know very well call me that, like trying to, that false in intimacy, it's called. C correct, Chuck? You're the therapist. <laughs> yeah, there, are certain yeah. people, there are certain people that I don't know that well or I don't want to know that well that will call me Bobby. And it's just like, you know, that's for a hand, like you said, that's only for a handful of people. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, like when I, when, like, like say when I'm talking to Noodles, who when people call him Kevin, it kind of bums him out. But I'll be talking, I'll go, I'll go, yeah, Bobby. And then I'll go, wait a second, did I just say Bobby? I mean, Bob, <laughs> Forrest, because sometimes it slips as Bobby because I feel like, but yeah, I, I, I don't, it's, it's, it, but you're, you're not, you're another one of those first and last name people. Yeah, it's, 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 it's always yeah. Bob Forrest. You know, I was telling Sid a story today. 
in all of elementary school and middle school, I was just known as Forrest. Oh, yeah. No one ever said my first name. Forrest. Same here. Same here. And because uh, well, it's a cool is, name. Forrest is a cool name. So, yeah. so anyways, I stopped going to memorial services and years ago, and even Dix's I didn't go to. And and I just I don't know. There's just something about it that that it's hard to shake. Like I've been kind of in a Mike Mart, I don't know, sadness for two days now. And that's why I wanted to get on the podcast and talk about it because I think the more we talk about him, the worse it gets for me. I don't know why. That's really? why, yeah, I wrote a song called Disappear, um, like in 2019 when we made that record. And it's about all my friends that have died, like Jeffrey. Jeffrey, I used to see every day for fucking years. And then he was just gone. And he just disappeared and Rob Graves just disappeared and Brendan just disappeared. There's all these people, they just disappear. And I just like thinking it like that. I don't like thinking like, like I'm sitting here, here's Mike's in loving memory of all the pictures. I Sid looked at the book, Elijah. Is, is there a picture of you in here, Elijah? I think there is. And I looked at the book and said, and she looked through it and said, how come there's not a picture of you? And I said, I don't think I looked at the email, Sid. I don't, I'm not a big email person, but it's so beautiful. But then it just brings me back that Mike is dead. I got this thing on my desk. Well, if you forgot Bobby Buckskin, Mike Mart is dead. Yeah. It's sitting on my desk. Just, just in case you felt like smiling or, or enjoying yeah. the day. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so, for, me, for me, it's gone the other way. It seems like it's almost getting comfortable because it's been almost two months of talking about it that it it's been it's gotten comfortable almost to the point where it's just like okay i'm done unless we've got something good to say yeah something so, fun so to let's say talk about, let's talk about something funny so uh chris bailey his name is i refuse to call somebody the grand pooba like a flintstones oh, he turned out so, to be a really nice guy yo, oh, yeah, i've known him my whole life also I he was a drummer. He's a drummer. He's a drummer in a great band called Fast Freddy and The Precisions. Their first album, I think it's an EP, like six songs. Fucking amazing. So, um, and Fast Freddy was Peter Case's best friend, and he DJed at the lingerie. And, and so he was, Fast Freddy was like a top Jimmy, but more like a swing kind of band. Anyways, so Chris walks up to me and goes, when's the last time you guys played? And I said, I don't know, like eight years ago or something. Uh, like we played that thing at the Narcan thing that really wasn't, it didn't sound right and it wasn't right. But so the last time we really <laughs> yeah, played. It really so of course, that one's all on YouTube music. forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it just that, that was a bad represent, representation of the only sponsor. So Chris says, so is this kind of probably the last time you're going to play? Because Chris was friends with dicks, right? And I said, I said, probably, I can't imagine we're ever going to play again. And so then he goes up there and announces that it's our last show. And then we fucking rose from the dead. Thelonious Monster was amazing. And then I'm thinking on the way home, like, we should do it again. <laughs> you know, you know, I I don't think I've ever seen you. I, I don't, I didn't see you in your heyday, but I hadn't seen you as animated as you were 
during See That My Grave Is Kept Clean. That was that. Well, that's that, my that song. Was from, but that was from but, the heart, man. That was Pete, something. But Pete was so good, and everybody played so good, and Tony was so. It was just fucking amazing. And but, so then you, yeah. you play. You should have you seen it from where Mike Mart would have watched the show out in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> because we're, the view I had and the different angles I had, I'm so glad that it happened. And I think it did everybody. Good. Well, I was I think sure it, that it was, you know, it's always fun. The last time I was that good or whatever was at McCabe's when, I don't know, Elijah, when was that? 2017 or something? I don't think that 16 was. 16 or 17. I, I thought it was going to suck. And then it was amazing. I didn't, I didn't really, I was so nervous about getting everybody moving in the right direction and the speakers not being boring and like, you know, kind of running the whole thing. I wasn't really thinking about Thelonious playing. Until Pete got there, and I was just like, Pete has a certain, he has, he has a positive energy right now. I just, I could recognize. I've known the guy for fucking ever. Um, I probably yeah, spent more hours of my life with Pete Weiss than any other human being on earth. And I know always know his moods. But he was, he was up for it, and he's the driver of it all. Oh, yeah. And so he, and everybody played so good. Even Xander said after the second song, this this is too good to be Thelonious Monster. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> I was I was I was kicking it with uh, with Johnny uh, because he before he came out and did his song, and yeah. he goes, "This is so good." And then Tony did something really cool and just distorted and nutty on the guitar, and it was just like, "Now there's some monster," you know. It's yeah. just like it, it all this everything moving in the same direction, but it was still it still felt like a freaking petting zoo out of control. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, it's always on the verge. It, it was, was on the verge of derailing the whole time, and it didn't. Yeah. And that's what kept it from. It was. Well, and it people, was we've been talking looks, all week. The look on people's faces. Me and it, talking to talking to Smog afterwards, and Tony and me and Josh been texting. It was so great. It was, it was so great. So, mm -hmm. so do we leave it? Here's the thing: Do we stand by by what the Pooba said? Felonious monster shall never play again, and that was it. Or do we go? Try to play a show somewhere and suck, Chuck, because that's the only <laughs> way it's gonna no, go. <laughs> no, no, I think I think is since you guys are like the sharks and the jets, I think the Bud Brothers or whatever you guys are called, the oh, Bud Club. Okay, let's I, get into that. That I is think a comedy. You, I think that's that's a comedy of all time. So Keith Morris was kicked out of the water buffaloes for some reason, or he didn't. You know, Keith. Keith's a little. You think he's cantankerous now? He's sober now. Imagine what he was like then. So Keith, uh, you know, Keith and I have always been pretty close, and he got kicked out of that thing. And me and Flynn Anthony, Pete didn't want to be in it. I just thought it's the Flintstones. Like I, I never can get over it. It's based well, on the Flintstones. The right. Flint, Fred, Fred and Barney and, Rubble are in the water buffaloes. I can't be a part of something like that. Right. Can I, you imagine I, can you imagine people <laughs> wanting to hang out with each other and having fun and enjoying each other's <laughs> company and having that brotherhood and camaraderie? What a shit club. <laughs> well, uh, listen, it didn't start like that. They were drunk out of their minds, Chuck. It wasn't. Yeah, they course. weren't sober when and it started. That sounds fun too. And the Bud okay. Club was the Bud Club was real so, outstanding so citizens. Because Keith, <laughs> yeah. because Keith was 
kicked out of it, you know, it perked my uh, oppositional defiance curiosity. And I was like, <laughs> your ODD, yes. I was like, and since Keith was like, he, Keith was like an icon then, like in 84, he was Keith Morris of Black Flag and Circle Jerks. Is there, is there anybody that's been more impactful in American punk rock than him and Henry and Ian McKay? That's the Mount Rushmore of American punk rock. Maybe Mike Ness. So Ness, Keith, Ian, Henry. Is I, I, but the him, Mount Rushmore Henry, of American punk rock. But if it weren't for Keith, there wouldn't have been a platform for Henry. Any of them, right? So I realized in my little fighting and warring with the water buffaloes, I've got the only icon on the scene and you just kicked him out. So we basically built the bud club. And once Keith started asking people to be in the bud club, everybody said, yes, Lee Ving was in the bud club. John Doe was in the bud club. I mean, we were top billing uh, organization. The problem was the drinking and drugs, Chuck, and the violence between members <laughs> why, why do you say that like that's a problem wasn't that's this, just what happens when boys hang out wasn't this well, all on the roof of a tall building too yeah this is on my <laughs> roof of my building no but it really fell apart at the lingerie chuck biscuits i don't uh he was a big drinker and he he said we're gonna have biscuits in the bud club and i was like i don't know about biscuits I don't know. Wait, you were on the HR department or whatever? Yes, yes. Oh, I was I orchestrated the whole thing. So <laughs> no, so leaving, yes, Derv Scratch, yes. Uh, you know, uh, uh you know, John Doe, of course, like but uh, Chuck Biscuits, because Chuck Biscuits, he had this on-off switch with alcohol, and he could drink a lot, and his brother could drink a lot. There's, how about the fact that two brothers are two of the greatest punk rock drummers in the history of punk rock? Dim, Dimwit and Chuck Biscuits are brothers. Did you know that? No. Well, Chuck got the better name. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so Biscuits, what do you is mean drumming, you don't know? <laughs> Biscuits is drumming in the Circle Jerks, and he gets in, and then I don't know who he fought, but he started fighting... I think Carlos Guitarlos and then Greg Hudson, who was in a band with him, tried to calm him down, and that didn't go well at all. I think he didn't hurt Greg, right? He's he's a little guy. Yeah, Greg's not a big man. So no. so and then um and then Lee had Lee was not the easiest to get along. There was nobody easy to get along with there once they're intoxicated. So we would get together once a month at my house and we I put a black and white TV on the roof and we watched the A team and we'd start drinking about six o'clock. <laughs> and then we'd go out to the clubs because walkable from my house was either, you know, the cafe or lingerie or you know, or or just regular bars like the Bordner's or um What's a place, the frolic room? So we would start drinking. So you got to understand, you got like 12, 15 alcoholics on the roof of a building, and we all drink a six-pack each, and then we head out together on moss. It just never went well. And part of the Bud Club was the marijuana smokers, John and Dick Stenny and Flea, and, and they never wanted to go with us. So then they would stay back at my house or whatever, and they're all stoned, and so... 
you know, the potheads stay back. <laughs> the alcoholics head on out into Valley that dark Force. night. And, <laughs> and I think it was like three times in a row just ended in people being arrested and, you know, fighting amongst each other. And then the thing started to break apart. I remember Dick's coming to me because Dick's didn't have a lot of money. So he liked the Bud Club meetings because Flea or somebody would bring a bunch of pot, right? And then he would have pot. And he said to me, he never talked. And he said, is the Bud Club really over? <laughs> In the saddest of all possible voices, because he wasn't going to get free pot. Aww, is it, I understand. Is it, is it really over? And because I, I think his thing was, if we just got rid of biscuits and leaving, things might be okay. <laughs> Well, sometimes it's just better to shut the whole shit down. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. But, sometimes. So so we failed. We were an organization only for probably six months, and then it ended in bad feelings. I think it was an end of an incarnate of the Circle Jerks. I ended up going to jail one night because it just it wasn't even my fault, Chuck. I had warrants well, out I'm sure for my it arrest. Wasn't. <laughs> no, I, had, I had warrants out for my arrest and I wasn't driving. So there should have been no problems. No, but that's somehow not how it works. <laughs> somehow just a bunch of us walking down Sunset Boulevard, um, right by the lingerie, and cops mm -hmm. were there and they got out of their cars and I just kept walking acting like i wasn't like if they see like eight people together mm -hmm. and then they say you know stop and everyone stops but one guy keeps walking acting like he wasn't with the other seven that's the guy they pay attention to right well what are you hiding why are you walking <laughs> yeah so i got arrested right in front of the american pool hall or whatever it is that building um yeah it, it, was, it was a pool hall it's a, a tall build, business building on one hand that's a pool hall on Sunset. And literally, they put me in the car and they do a U-turn on Sunset and I was in the jail within three minutes because of the Wilcox Hotel that Leaving made so famous. The Wilcox uh, police station is like just south of Sunset. And I was just like, literally, not even 90 seconds and I was in jail. I was walking down the street they, uh, you know, and I did what I thought was the right thing to do. Keep walking. Don't you always hear that? Keep walking. No. I <laughs> All I hear is Sydney saying, run it. <laughs> yeah. So keep walking. So I get arrested. Start running. And then, and then those guys don't even come to try to get me out of care. They just go to the lingerie and go get more drunk. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm surprised you didn't. You didn't run. I mean, I, I always had the attitude. I was make walking them faster. Make, I was walking make, faster. I was walking if faster. If the cops are going to get me, they're going to earn it. No, they're going to break you run, Once you run, they really know you're guilty. I was just saying, I don't know these guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're stopping a group of gentlemen that are walking next to me. <laughs> oh, get those ne'er-do-wells off the street. I'm trying to get to the club. <laughs> right. No, I was acting like I was just because I looked bookwormish. I could get away with, you know, I got arrested at Huntington Beach one time because I gave a fake name. And then the yeah. other guy I was with, you know what they they asked the other person. So oh, what's I, his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's his name? And, goes, and the guy comes back to me and goes, What's your name? And I said, John Huck. 
J-O-N-H-U-C-K. And he goes, who's Bob? He, he goes, who's Bob Forrest? And I looked, and it was uh, Jack Zinder. He passed away in a horrible car accident. And uh, I looked at Jack like, you are so fucking stupid, dude. <laughs> who's but, Bob Forrest? I don't know, but I get told I look like him all the time. <laughs> and the reason why I use John Hux is because John Huck and I grew up in the same neighborhood and were born six days apart. So I knew his birth date. <laughs> but he's, but he's, if they would have, you know, checked the computer, which 85 is their computers? Yeah, probably. They, yeah, they did. Yeah. Okay. So they would have known but John Huxley. But Huntington Beach, they still were taking um, Polaroids and stapling them to your paperwork. Were they? When, really? you, when you got booked there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got booked there now. It was in yeah. the parking lot of Safari Sam's. I don't even know where that place is. I just it's remember the we Surf were Museum now. It's the we 99 cents store parking lot. We were supposed to play, and I got arrested in the parking lot because Jack Zinder told him my real name. That's why, Chuck. Don't don't start your moral high road about <laughs> it was wrong. <laughs> you had warrants and everything. Just, you know, you shouldn't have been on the street, young man. You should well, have turned yourself in. <laughs> here's another thing that doesn't exist anymore. Tra traffic warrants. You think if they're not busting people for fentanyl, they're they're busting people for traffic tickets? Unfortunately, the the law-abiding people, for the most part, are still getting strung up. But the people that are, it's just the drug charges. And you know, the drug charges, like if they ticket you, and then down the road you didn't show up to court because you know they found you with fentanyl in a syringe and they let you keep it and they gave you a ticket and told you to go to court. And you don't go to court. That's when they'll pick you up, but still, it's like catch and release, right? At least, well, let, at least that's uh, what I've been know, seeing. I want to admit to the folks at home: the progress, not perfection. Chuck, that's what that's what our motto is, right? That's the "Don't Die" motto: "Don't die, progress, not perfection." Yeah, we made so, that up. <laughs> so the reason I know they don't have traffic warrants anymore is because I did happen to get a ticket a couple of years ago, and I forgot, and it just went to collections like a phone bill. It, there's no warrant out. There's no yeah. There's no warrant. It just goes okay, to so, collections. So it wasn't. It wasn't anything that you could have contested. I don't know. I know it's maybe like that's four, a, a lot of four hundred eighty dollars. A lot well, of things happened like it that because of COVID. To, I know what it was. I know what the ticket was. I went through a stop sign in Griffith Park and uh, by the Greek Theater. It's a ranger, a park ranger ticket. And I didn't pay it and just went to collections just like a just like a bill that you didn't pay. There was no warrant out. Then there's no points off your uh there's no points off your driving know. record. I don't think so. I don't pay attention to stuff like that. Check because that's a that's a <laughs> you know driving you, you mean your points. insurance goes up? You mean the insurance you, cost goes well, up? You, you get like six points against your license. Guess what I do? I got a foolproof way for the newly sober people. Though I am how old? 27 years sober? Uh, I operate like a two-year sober person. So when I do have tickets and my insurance goes up, I just take the um, collision off. The what You know, the expensive part. And then it's, <laughs> right, the, same, the, and then it's the same part of price. That's, it you know, is. Uh, I'm going to touch wood for you. My car insurance should be about 150 bucks a month for me and Chrissy in the three cars we've got, right? So it went up to 211. I call him. I was like, what the hell's going on here? 
And they're like that thing. And they tell me that thing about the points. Right. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I, I know nothing of what you speak. I just know my bill has been $150 for nine years. And now the sentence is 211. That can't happen. I'm not paying 211. And the guy goes, well, let's go through your policy, Mr. Forbes. And I said, let's go through it. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells me that I can get that I don't have to have um, on the on the Volvo uh, is paid for, but I had that other insurance that um, the what collision, is it? There's, the there's, collision and uninsured. Well, you have to have uninsured motors. Have so have liability, motor. liability, liability and is motor. the thing that you have to have, right? Right. That's if you okay. hit somebody yeah. else. And I had collision on the car, and I I said, "What if you take that off?" Because they won't. How about this? They won't let you take it off of the Dodge because it's still being payments. You can't take collision off a car you're right, making payments on. Because this, it's not yours yet. I'm filling all the two-year sober people in right now. And okay. I experienced this when I was 26 years sober. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so, get it. So the guy goes, well, yeah, if you don't care, if you don't care to get your car fixed. And I was like, I don't care to get any. I don't care about any of this. <laughs> this is something you have to have. That's what duct tape is for. <laughs> I'm going to keep rolling. Yeah. yeah. So, so he says, well, let me do it. And he gets it down to, uh, that was $33 a month off the collision on the Volvo. So then. <laughs> but you do I understand that that replaces the your car. That if it's your fault, <laughs> it totally replaces. It could replace just, the whole car. I'm just for going by the that's monthly a dollar a payment. Day. All that's I care about is the monthly day. payment. <laughs> so, so then, then, uh, so he takes the 33 off. It's like 280 something, right? I still, I said, we're still not there. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else? Roadside assistance. No, 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 gone. No, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Wait a minute. That, no, there is ways around this. Even if you have a payment car. Uh, I, if, if there is something wrong with my payment car, the Dodge, I don't get a car. I don't get a rental car. Uh, I'm like, because this guy was great. This guy, this guy was negotiating. This was like a, this was like a, a you know, this was a baby boomer guy. He had well, a baby boomer. He had a baby boomer soul. He was on the well, phone with me. He knew my, he knew my objective. I need to get this 211 number down to two, 156. Right. How do we Worst. fucking do it? Worst insurance salesperson ever, I got to add. That's not his job. His job is you call to lower your bill. He's supposed to send you on your way being happy spending more. That's an insurance person's job. So, so, get this. so he takes the rental car thing off. It's, you're going to love this. This is true. I swear to <laughs> so, <laughs> months later, there's a recall on the Dodge. <laughs> it, has be, it has to be at the dealer for like two weeks. <laughs> oh, I threw the biggest stick down there. Are you kidding me, Chuck? Listen here, like, your, your insurance, your insurance would have it. And I go, that's not. It's my, my insurance company's not responsible for me having a rental car. You're the one that made a fucked up car that uh, that you can't even fix in three days. You guys owe me a rental car. And the service guy just looked at me like, this is one of those people you hear about. This person. This is <laughs> Literally, within four months of me canceling the car, the car rental car thing to save $18 a month, 
wait a second, 50 cents a day, 40, 40 <laughs> something cents a day is what you save. <laughs> but, oh my God. That, that's not even money. <laughs> oh God. How do we live in this world? I, I, you know, so part of me envies Mike, no more car insurances for Mike. <laughs> no more of this stuff. <laughs> oh my God. God in you know, I, I welcome the sweet kiss of death just to avoid car insurance. <laughs> Let me tell you this. I'm getting shamed about my cable TV. Two times people have come by and go, what's that? This I have this box. Where is it? It's uh -huh. right here. P people are shaming people over these boxes. My feelings, my truth is not coming through, Chuck. <laughs> you know, you, are, this is a safe space for you to discuss I got, this. I got made fun of for having cable television. Maybe those Two aren't friends. Times. Maybe they're acquaintances, Bob. They are. I don't even know the guy. I don't even know the guy. The guy was here working Fuck on the up. house, and he goes, he goes, you still have cable? And I was like, yeah, Dodgers. Because you, you, if, you if you don't have cable, that's the only reason to have cable is the Dodgers. I think there's a Dodgers channel there's, that you there's can a, get that's on. That's what keeps telling me. There's a Dodgers streaming channel. There's, every team has their own streaming channel now. I was told years but, ago that unless you had Spectrum, you couldn't watch the Dodgers, and I'm loyal to Spectrum. That was true. That 1998. I was going to say about 2005. That was super true. But you, you know what? I, I'm on your team, Bob. I want to be back on cable because then I don't have to remember which network on my smart TV the show that I want to watch is on. Because I've got Apple Plus and I've got... How come and, they... Uh, here's the thing. Yeah, the kids watch all that fucking Wi-Fi stuff. And I go on there at <laughs> night, and it and sometimes the channel that I just watched a week ago isn't on the board anymore. How is that? Where does it go? I don't back in like Roku line, TV will just, just disappear, and then you have to search the thing, and you have to go to the app that your your app it's called, and you then you can it's put there, your favorites on top. But, it's, but but the icon is not on, and then it has a little cloud, and you have to click on it, and then it has to load. And by that well, time, see, I don't want to watch the show. Like fuck. But this that's thing. also Roku. See, with with a, with a standard smart TV, you don't need the Roku. Well, with most just, Roku's too, you can talk into the remote and just say Roku channel. Yeah, that's that's too that's too fancy for me. It's I got there. it's a little microphone button. Yeah, no, I got it right here. That little microphone you're saying, I've yeah. never used it one time you, in my fucking life. You hold you it. Know you what? say what you want. The say. government, the government is going <laughs> to figure out your voice and, yeah. and get you, Chuck, if you use that button. Okay. That, they want you to use that button. Okay, people. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, I, I will never do face ID on my phone ever. They're just it's, waiting. It doesn't matter. Do you know, how many, you know how many fucking <laughs> ways they're going to fuck you if they know what you look like? Come on, you guys. Uh, listen, listen here. I feel like <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. You've been, you've been in enough places. You've traveled. I mean, when we were going into, when we were going from England to what France. Is, what does that mean? I've traveled. If you travel and you go through an airport, they scan you. Your face? Yeah. The, if you're crossing borders. That's illegal. That the, would be illegal. They can't do that. The traffic cams too. They got they got my friend Frank like fucking twelve years ago. He tried scan to scan your face from he a tried traffic. To, he tried to say that it wasn't him driving through a red light without his seatbelt on, and they sent him the photograph. And it's like a high res picture of him, sunglasses, no seatbelt. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, I got. Yeah, I tried to argue one time that that's not me because I, I always wear a hat. And then the hat <laughs> is on the dashboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, Chuck, let me, let, we got to talk about serious stuff now. I'm also an oh, addiction no. expert. I'm an idiot, and I'm also an addiction <laughs> expert. So, this is oh. hope for people at home. You know, I'm a complete fucking nutcase idiot, but I'm an expert at something. And recently, I don't know if you saw uh, a DJ uh, uh, somewhere here in LA, famous DJ, and his two people he works with or another DJ he works with, they were given cocaine by the club owner and have fentanyl in it, and three people died. That was oh, a week that's ago. What you were... Is that what I was talking yeah, about? Yeah, Elijah brought that up. That was uh, yeah. Juan Mendez and that? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, so that's another... They're told, that it, they're, told, they're told that it's cocaine. Why would drug dealers tell you it's cocaine, it's fentanyl? Isn't that bad marketing? Uh, yeah, it's it's a nightmare. It's it's like, it's in everything now. There was like some comedians. Nah, I don't know. That, that, that's an easy explanation. These guys are so fucking millennial. They don't even know the difference between their fentanyl and their cocaine. That's what I think. Well, they're not. They weren't millennials. They were older than that. I, I yeah, looked into that. No, the drug dealers. Just that this is the this is the constant danger now for my generation or the people that are trying to casually people that are casually partying using drugs. It was a Thursday night. I don't even think there was a show on or anything. And these these three people died, and it's a tragedy. He was a great great guy. He was a real mover and shaker, and one of the few people to get out of that kind of aimless party long beach bullshit that i was part of when i was a kid he got out of it how many people how many people quit their job at 40 to play music full-time and then turn yeah. around and spend all their money putting other people on it's had this huge impact in electronic music and it's such a it, he did so much for so many people he was such a kind and was it and was it guy the, and where did they get it is there is it this known because i got told the wild was, thing the it was wild the club owner or something gave I don't know about I don't know from club owner but I know the wild thing to me that that I was told is that the there's two people I mean you know music's still a small enough world that there's two drug dealers it could have been one of the guys didn't say anything the other drug dealer the the 50/50 shot it's one of these two guys threw a pity party online and posted a big social media thing about everyone's angry at me like I did something wrong and I can't believe this. Wow. Like, what the fuck are you... Like, just shut up. At yeah, the, the, first guy, the first guy... The first guy is ab abiding by the rules of the uh, United States drugs. of America. Yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> and, and let's, guy, let's yeah. face it. So let's go through this because I know I've had to deal with a lot of moms that lost their kids. And Chuck, we've talked about this before. They always insist, oh, he, was, he wasn't into drugs, and he it was the first. There's only been one mom that said it was the first time my son ever did drugs, and then I saw a picture of the kid, and I believed it. He was like 13. But, yeah. you know, and even then, I'm being a little naive, probably, is what Dr. Drew <laughs> would say. But You, you but, judge um, the book by the cover. But, uh, but, I mean, it's hard to believe that a 13-year-old sophisticatedly on purpose using Xanax, uh, fentanyl Xanax. Nope, like, probably, there's probably, a lot of kids getting yeah. pills that they... 
So you steal a Xanax from your mom's medicine cabinet and right. you and your friends have some fun or you steal three of them or whatever. And then you think, you know, and then that goes on back and forth for a few months and then you buy some and it's got fentanyl in it and you die. I believe that, that, that the mother's going to believe it was the first time they ever used drugs that you hear that a lot when mm -hmm. it's a 13, 14, 15 year old, um, dying. But I really believe there's some universal things going on. The IQ of America is going down. It was 103. It's down to 101. It's pretty obvious. We see it all around us, you know, from Mike's uh, discussion with the girl uh, to get on the uh, liver transplant list. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. I told that yeah. story, right? Yes. Would you be willing? I just want to say it again because I love it. Would you be willing to go to a nearby state if a liver became available? And Mike said, has anyone ever said no to that? And she yeah. didn't know. She didn't know. That it was funny. That it was funny. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, because that, that's critical thinking. No one told, no one gave her the, no one gave her her opinion of this is going to be funny what he says. Look at this. This is funny. <laughs> I, just, I will never forget that. That, that, this, that the question is so stupid. And yet, Obviously, it exists for a reason, and I, I believe it exists because I believe somebody was on a donor list somewhere at some time, and a, and, a, and a liver became available, and they were unable to get there and died, and their family sued the powers that be because they didn't ask her if she had transportation to that state. Yeah. Why would they ask mm -hmm. that question? Like, you right. know... It's just crazy. I think just about anybody could get on a bus or a train to get to a nearby state, uh, you know, 60, 75 <laughs> bucks to save your life. And if, then if, if your theory is right, if your theory is right, then the people that didn't help her get to Arizona or Oklahoma or whatever, the ones suing. Yeah, they're the ones. Yeah, the question. Yeah, 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 I never thought of that. Everybody's trying to get healthy because of Mike. I'm planning to just stay that. I'm just, I'm just planning to stay the same. You gave up. You gave up on the physical, Dad. You're not going to the doctor. No, I'm going, but okay. I mean, I'm not going to like change my diet and all. that. people are going all out, like Smitty's going all out. I'm like, I'm, you know, whatever. Okay, what a beautiful um, man he is. I can, yeah, just, yeah. The, the, just man, what an amazing thing. You know, when he says things like, "Can you guys keep that going so that someone like me has something to listen to?" and all I can think is, yeah. we need to bring in, we need to bring in uh, more bobs peers so that it it resonates with the people who well, that's, um, let's talk about that for a second so we get labeled this grumpy old weird uh generation whatever i think we're fringe i mean i technically think i'm a baby boomer but i certainly am not right i don't think you can be a baby boomer and a punk rocker so there's this fringe generation so i'm born in 61 i think the cutoff for Gen Xers is 66 or something or 65. Can you look it up, Elijah? 60, yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah. I know, yeah, I know I'm later Gen X. You're, you're I'm Gen, Gen X. X. So, so anyways, like I know some outstanding people. I don't want to. And here's the weird thing about like all the good stuff said about Mike. I agree with 90% of it, right? Um, but when he was when he was alive, nobody was saying it, right? Nobody's saying right. it. 
So then it's only until you die that people say it. And somehow I know if we say what a great guy Smitty is, he's going to be embarrassed. Why are we embarrassed that we're good people? Why is that embarrassing? Like, you know what I mean? It is, it is, uh, Mike had, Mike had a tremendous amount of, I don't know if it's false modesty. It's just like too much modesty. Mike Mart was a great man. He helped a lot of people. He was one of the greatest songwriters I've ever known. He was a great man. But yet, if you said that to him, he'd go, oh, shut up. Oh, blah, blah. And well, he I was a little uh, older and he did have, you know, he had that stoic, that John Wayne thing going on. No, but Anthony has it. So many people have it. it I, I don't, I think it's part of the punk rock generation that, that there's, and sobriety is that you don't, you don't, um, you certainly don't go around singing your own praises, but you don't, when somebody, you know, Gloria Scott told me, when somebody compliments you, say thank you. Right, right. but see, that's, don't, that's also don't learned, say, that's oh, a learned no, behavior. Oh, don't say that, don't say that, that's not true, or I try to do my best, or all the things I say. No, thank you. It's nice, right. nice to but be acknowledged. But it's also, if someone says something to me, and... uh because every once in a while I'll get a compliment and it makes me uncomfortable because they're looking. Why? I go, that e- thing. Why does it make you feel uncomfortable? I don't know because maybe because I everyone's feel like selfish. I don't live up to because, it. Because the standard American operating procedure is to be a selfish, greedy fuck who only cares about money. That is America. America has a religion. It's not Christianity. It's money. And so when you're a good person that, that, that puts people before money that puts that puts the human condition and compassion before your religious and political ideology you should be proud of that instead we have to feel embarrassed by it i i swear to god because all the money worshipers are standing around saying if it's not i'm not only specifically talking about money worshipers but that is part of it i know that is part of it the main part of it to me is now this this what chuck calls and i say it all the time now i'm copying you but it'll get eventually chuck your idea of red blue team like football i'm gonna get credit for that and and i'm always gonna know you is your idea chuck <laughs> but you're not but when somebody compliments you for it you're not gonna say no no i didn't that's not me no, <laughs> no you're gonna say thank you you're gonna say thank but, you because that's a but, chuck, I, I, but no for like Ten times I said, no, my friend Chuck that I do the podcast with thought of that. And then that's too long-winded. So I just say thank you. I just say thank you. But no, but the political political, religious football team aspect of America is another one. Like I don't I don't really care what your politics are, I don't really care what your religion is. You know, I I told Chrissy the other day, um, I don't really measure you know, it's, it's, I measure people by how they treat other people, right? Yeah. One, but really another thing that I do is outcomes of children. Are the children gracious? Are the children kind? Um, and this is soup to nuts, rich people, poor people, and everybody in between, right? Um, I have a friend whose son was just the most gracious kid. And I just like, how did you raise that? And he goes, I just raised him like I raised, like I was raised. And I was like, 
oh, I don't think you're supposed to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mean you beat him? <laughs> accountable? No, he had an allowance. He had chores. He had, there you, you know, he was told no a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Wasn't allowed you to think, be on his phone all think, the time. <laughs> hey, you think over there in uh, Huntington Harbor, oh, yeah, I'd be on the phone all the time. You think people over in Huntington Harbor and uh, and Brentwood are saying no to their children a lot? I, you know, you I don't know. Gonna, no going on? We're going to see. A, yeah, well, Chuck, you're <laughs> dealing with the adult consequences of sa not saying no to your children. Yeah, but a lot of my clients are from Oklahoma right now. There's a lot of no. Okay. I don't, I don't say, I don't say no. I uh, like uh, Elvis is becoming tennis shoe obsessed and I bought him a pair a couple weeks ago and then he was, he was talking about it last night and he had all these pictures he showed me. And I said, you are not getting another pair of fucking shoes. Is that what this is about? <laughs> and uh, he's looked at me like that was a no, that was a Bob force version of no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> these shoes, these shoes are like, a, like some of them are $300. Chuck, who, who, who buys $300 tennis shoes? People other that can't afford twelve hundred rappers, rappers, <laughs> rappers. Oh, there's so many. It's a whole world of obsession and collecting now. Yeah, it, it, I, if if he wears them, they're not collecting. Shout out, but, shout out, Johnny but, Luna. My friend Johnny <laughs> Luna's got three kids, and he's still got a closet full of pristine looking sneakers. Well, there's all these. <laughs> there, uh, I I got educated on tennis shoes last night. There's there's humpas, humpas, humpas or something. And, the, and they're all like special brands. Actually, Flea's wife is big in this world. Um, Nike hires designers to do special things, right? And then right. there's special themes by special people. So the pair I bought them are Bart Simpson Nikes done by so-and-so D'Angelo or something. And it's just like, it just looks like Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, special, the shoebies, the, the shoebies know the Nikes. difference. They know the difference. They know no, when the shoe is being released at 7 a.m. They're lined up outside the store. But yeah, they don't release just, enough. They don't release enough for demand, right? And then no, they release enough. They release they enough go, to keep the price going up. And then yeah. the price goes up on eBay. So there was this one pair. Did you see the Nikes with the clocks on them? It's really cool. It's all different colors, and it's the Michael Jordans, and and it's all different colors. And on in the strings is clocks, like watches, like real clocks. So then Christy said, "Oh, they're so cool!" And I was going to get them for for birthday or Christmas or Valentine's Day or whatever when it came out. And I went on it. I went online. It was all sold out everywhere. I went on some some like uh etsy or something one thousand five hundred dollars for tennis oh, yeah. shoes oh yeah yeah so so anyways, Wait, you're telling me you didn't get them for her? no i did not i thought <laughs> wow. i'm going i thought wow. i'm going to with all used, the money you're saving I, on car insurance i, I, <laughs> I thought of going you just saved 18 dollars a month i you know i'm always cost cutting slitting my own throat i um there's this thing called triple a plus Right, and I was playing right. for it because because I was a big shot and I had a rehab center, and then my times got tight. That COVID thing really, really I still haven't recovered from the COVID. Boy, that's you know, sure I make I make less money now than I did before COVID because I took a COVID oh, pay cut. Oh, good. And that, I, well, and like, everything costs more. So yeah, yeah. So so uh, so get this. So so it comes up. You have to pay the whole year for AAA, right? So they send the thing mm -hmm. at the end of the year. And I'm like looking at it and I'm like, 
Yeah, I don't think I'm a AAA plus uh, uh, level guy anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I go for the bottom of the barrel one. What happens, Chrissy? The car breaks down San Bernardino and they won't tow it. This is the best part of money-saving idiot Bob. (laughs) So to tow the car costs $258. To get the AAA plus was like $73 more. A year? <laughs> I lost. Yeah, a year. I lost. I'm, I'm down. Dude, I'm, down you, I'm down 180. <laughs> you're doing shit like I did a fucking cryptocurrency. <laughs> I, lost more, I lost more money in crypto, whether it was, um, it was Ethereum and then it was Binance. And I just, I always buy at the top and then I, I hold on to it till it's worth nothing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good at, I can't get rid of my Binance coins right now because they're worth half of what I paid for them. So anyway, so, so I do believe that, you know, there was, there's the worshiping of money. There's the worshiping of religion. There's the worship, the worshiping of the football teams, religious and political football teams. And all of this is expressed out through social media. So the people who are obsessed with money show their their Botox faces and their vacations to fantastic places. The people, the people who the people who are <laughs> obsessed with um, religion—that's all they talk about. You know, the people who are re- obsessed with Trump and Biden and all the political things—that's all you get on Facebook. So really, all you get on social media is the worst part of humanity. Why is everybody on it? Well, and that's what people are aspiring to be. What? You know, <laughs> this, that's the funny part. Because, like, I, there's that uh, Holy Moly, that miniature golf show that we watch with, with Bug sometimes. And it's like, they have people on there doing this miniature golf competition thing. And half of them are aspiring influencers. And, <laughs> and that's what... And yeah, aspiring influencers. So they're not. That's there part yet. of the money. That's when part of the I, money side. That's I the money up. side. Hold on, Elijah. That's <laughs> part of the money side. The the influencers are the money people. Is anybody aspiring to be a hateful, angry uh, Trumper defending themselves against all the libtards? Like, is that uh, something every, that some people are fucking course. aspiring to? They've gotten Come so on. good at it. Nobody it's, wants it's, that. Dude, the hate and the anger is so, it doesn't matter what the post is. So that's why, like Flea, you know, like he said, the this, this secret to doing uh, social media is to not read the comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He told you not that. even Not even allow yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't pay attention to it. Any, uh, I'll tell you one thing. So I did something what was perceived mean on Celebrity Rehab, right? Um I thought I was just being a good counselor, but uh, I was just imitating Buddy Arnold, really. So I'd been trying to break this kid down. I finally got him where he's crying and whatever. And there is this sense that everyone, you can sense that everyone in the room saying, well, let him up for air. And I just like, no, no, no. No, no, I've got him on the ground. <laughs> no, no, I got him. Like, if you let him up, he's just going to go back to the way that he was, like the, 
you know, round, like the transformer. Did, did, did tears, like, the tears yeah. dry up. And then, <laughs> like forest. So he said, <laughs> I just want a dad. I just have all, I've never had a dad. I want a dad. And I said, fuck you. You don't get a dad. And if you, and, and by the way, because you didn't get a dad, doesn't give you carte blanche to treat people like shit. And I got like, people really didn't like me for that week of that episode. And so I guess there was just this onslaught of hate towards me. But since I didn't do social media, I didn't know about it. So then I'm sitting where me and Drew sit on the, that's, that's the PRC, the, where we shot the show. And mm -hmm. one of the guys from BH1 comes in and I kind of, I liked him. I had a good relationship with him. And he comes in and he goes, Hey, just checking on you, Bob, how you doing? And I was like, I'm good. Is something wrong? I could just sense like this guy doesn't come around much. He's like a BH1 executive. You see him, you know, once in a while. And, uh, he goes, just and his assistant was with him. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? I didn't, part of me thought I'm getting fired over the thing, you know, that I, whatever, <laughs> right? Or they're going to have Shelly take my place and then I'm going to be off or something. And, uh, and he goes, I'm just checking in because I know what happened on last week's episode happened a long time ago, but, and we're doing back-to-back -back seasons and I'm just checking in to see where you're at, seeing you're okay. And I, I said like, Brad, what is going on? And he goes, well, I'm seeing how you're reacting to all the criticism you're getting. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sir, I'm oblivious. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> and <I refuse> <laughs> apparently people wanted me off the show and thought I should die and all this kind of stuff. I wasn't reading it, so I didn't know. Right? Wonderful. Isn't that nice? And so, so then... He said, oh, okay, so so you're okay. And I said, yeah, I mean, yeah. And um, and I said, wait, Brad, wait, Brad, wait, wait, wait. And he was where Drew came in. He's like, what's going on? And I was like, I, I guess the thing I did that everybody's mad at me about. And he goes, oh, yeah, it was me and tell you that. Like, you're getting online. You're getting killed online. That's what Dr. Drew said. <laughs> you're getting <laughs> killed online. And I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not on it. So... So then I said, Brad, but wait, you should know something about me. And, and he said, what? And I said, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks ever. I haven't cared what anybody thought since I was 11 years old. So even if I read it, I wouldn't care. And he was like, wow. Like he had never, like I was, like I was a, a unicorn, like, like the people that there were people on earth that didn't care what strangers thought of them. You, you know, people, you on, his, know people on his network, you know, enough, you know, enough industry people to know how delicate the, e the egos can be. They can get a, a thousand good reviews and one bad one and, and it busts them up. There was many times like, Mostly clients like Mackenzie Phillips was getting attacked and I was, I took her and we walked around outside. We left the facility and hung out for a couple hours. And I was like, you got to stop fucking caring what these people think. Like you got to stop caring because people are so awful. And I knew this in 2007, Chuck, people were awful in 2007. I know mm -hmm. for a fact. Right. Well, and, and, and so, why is that? I, well, just they're, they're just not, the ability to lash out at strangers is a weird thing that social media kind of provides without consequence. It's, right. it's anonymous and you can be a total dick 
and you can vent all your, uh, you can spew all your hatred. But the problem is they're poisoning themselves when they do it because they get a mindset and they, they get stuck in it and it becomes a way of life, not just right. a hobby. So, so you that's know? those two divides is like, I don't understand. But then it is weird when people are threatening to kill you and stuff on online. Like I, I know hundreds of people that have been threatened to kill. I've been, I've been, I had to call the FBI one time or so whatever they came out. Like people want to kill you because of something you said. It's just crazy, crazy. But, and you know, I'm always pride myself. Like if somebody is trying to kill me, I'll fucking see them first. Right. I'm, I'm always, (laughs) I don't know why. You know You're part ninja, part I'm, CIA. No, no, what it is, no. It's it's much more criminal than that. Since I'm like 19, I'm always looking out for cops. So that just transferred to the regular world. I'm just Keep looking your head on the swivel, son. Keep well, your head on the swivel. When, yeah, when anybody comes driving up our driveway, I'm like, what the fuck is that? I'm I meet them before they even cross the trees, right? Like, what the fuck's going on? Are you, do I don't do I know you? But anyways, I just think that. God, that memorial was so great. And you know what? Mike Marr was not measured by his religion, nor his politics, nor his money. He's measured by the man that he was. And that was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and um, and I want to say it's going to take Elijah a little while to catch on to the podcast. And, you know, and this is going to work. But as far as playing music, like... I thought it was Mike. The voice that you sang in Elijah was amazing uh, on on For My Lover. Were you imitating Mike or was that I was practicing voice? his. I was practicing. His, I mean, I'm not trying to sing in his voice, but I. No, but you had his cadence. That thing that he does at the end of the, the last line of his verse, where he goes up. I tried to do that. Yeah, he goes up. That's what I, I was saying. I was practicing with the, you know. I need because to practice. Sing along, I practice sing along the, the record, right? Well, but but many people have sung that song. Like these, you know, Mike was. I think what Mike was in and out of the band like fourteen times. So there was many times I sang that song where he wasn't the background singer, and Dallas Don I think did it the most, and he just sang what I said because more like you know nobody's nobody's going back and listening to records. They're just like, oh, I know the words. You, I sing. Because once Mike wasn't in the band anymore, I sang all the verses mm-hmm. and the bridge part. And then the only thing Dallas Don sang was the background vocals. And you hit that weird thing that Mike does where he goes above me. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and I've cool. always, you know, it was just really cool. And because I don't know how to sing, that's another part of me that Come on. I don't know. Well, I know how to sing, oh, but see, I don't know false how to modesty. Sing. False modesty. No, no, no. What are you, a millennial? <laughs> no, no. It's, I'm, I know. Here's what I told Sid, because she was fascinated by what happened. And I go, I know how to convey emotion. That I know how to do. And But when, it, when somebody goes to that high note, I always go up to them, right? Like, I think I'm singing wrong, and I go up to them. But not the other night when you sang that note. I was like, oh, that's Mike's note. That hasn't been there for fucking 20 years. Um, and I believe even when me and Mike did that song, sometimes he didn't do that note. You know, we're talking uh, about Mike Mart. <laughs> <laughs> you think Mike Mart's going back and listening to old Thelonious Monster record to get it right? No, he was not. 
Well, I'm glad but, it came across. I, it was an honor to get the chance to do it. And that whole fun. day, that whole day was so amazing. That's what funerals and memorials need to be like. Like, there's too much talking, too much talking, but like, but a celebration of life and music and music is more like we're musicians. We play music. That's what we do, and that that that's how we communicate what we think and feel. And I'll tell you one thing. Almost everyone that was on stage in Thelonious had gone and visited Mike. Right? You had, Josh had, Xander had, Smog had, I had, Johnny had. Um, like, like, I remember when Devin told me, like, if you want to say goodbye to Mike, you better get down here. And I was like, really? And she said, yeah. And I went down that night and Smog was there and and Johnny Angel was there, and goodbye, Mike. Like it was, it was heavy. It was heavy, but but not to be morbid. But it really is. Couldn't be better to have somebody carry on than Elijah. You replace him in singing, and you replace him <laughs> on "Don't Die." This has been a great career opportunity for. Me. Oh my god. I'm just wow. happy to <laughs> I'm happy to to fail valiantly at filling his shoes. I love the man yeah. very, very much. It, it, it's not even that. It's because like the idea of replacing somebody, no, but if you have to have somebody in their place, you're you're the person to have in his place. Not that you're Dang. replacing him, but you're in his place. Did right? you hear and, you were reading Mike's opinions of AA? Did you hear the drunk people heckling? I you? did. I did. It was. <laughs> I. I only feel dumb. That, so I got. I got the one heckler of the night at the memorial, and I was reading. Right. His, <laughs> I read his thoughts on AA, which I think I should post on the Don't Die thing. It was such a great. It's just so succinct, and you know, my uh, across my, big my, ideas, my, a few words. My singer got a hold of the guy and and talked him down, and then we walked him downstairs and out the. Exit. Oh, you walked him out. Oh my God! Well, I got a confession. To, I got a confession to make. What? That's my client. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing a black flag shirt. Well, what I wear? That, that's that's my guy. That's my guy. You know. You know what I do, Chuck? What do I do? The worst of the worst. The people everybody gives up on. And that's my that's my guy. But I, but look. I wait a minute. We, wait a minute, Chuck. You, you got to hear this. I kind of invited. <laughs> <laughs> wow shut you know, the fuck up no he was sober when i invited him i didn't know he was gonna have a few cocktails on the way down there but guess I what tell it was he from is, the bar wait, wait a minute i gotta tell you he is one of the most devoted don't die podcast listeners he listens to every word he's listening to this right now and he was so apologetic almost suicidally apologetic the next day and i was like don't worry about it. this is what i said don't worry about it. i've seen mike act that way a hundred times you know you know what was you <laughs> know what was different mike is alive. <laughs> what was different was that is that he we gently walked him down the stairs he didn't fall down the stairs we didn't help him down the yeah, stairs yeah, the yeah. hard way we let him touch every step he didn't open the door with his head check and i go uh I go, hey, man, I know we're all going through a lot right now, and I know you don't want to do this. And he goes, no, I don't. And I said, you just just get your, get yeah. your shit together. Get your well, shit he was, together, he was in a black. He was in a blackout. It's like You know how you go in and out of blackout? I yeah. used to do that. Like I kind of know where I am, and then I have no idea what happened for the last 30 minutes. 
And four like hours was, passed and was, back again. And if he, I can tell you, I, I can tell that. you, that's Mike Mart. I mean, I've seen him like that's me. That's me. That, like I'm that. Like yep, people and forget. That's me too. And yeah. I can never believe that you've ever acted like that, Chuck. I refuse to oh believe that you've God. ever acted like that. Methamphetamine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah, there's still places I'm not welcome. But the idea that the, the, the beautiful thing is that because of AA, I treated him like a human being who is in the middle of his sickness. And if he has any, if he has recall of that, he will not look down on me, and I'm not embarrassed for how I behaved myself through that because I didn't name call, I did, wasn't abusive, and we nobody was physically hurt, and that is so different. All right, good yeah. night, everybody, and welcome to the Don't Die podcast, Elijah. It is official, and uh, it's the three of us from here on out. And God bless Mike Mart, even though I don't believe in God. And and you know you know who's going through it right now is Kobe, Wiley's dog. So and God oh, bless Kobe. God bless Kobe. God bless you, Wiley. Uh, I'm sorry, we were on a high note, and I brought it right back down. Let's go back to a high note. And it was great to see everybody. At least, did you <laughs> yeah. see? Did you see Sean Wheeler and Xander Schloss talking to each other friendly yes, outside for all. about 15 minutes? Yeah, I saw. I saw. That was fantastic. I saw people. I saw people I haven't seen in 30 years. That was that was a fun thing, and um, and I you know I saw a friend of mine that everybody's saying a trumper. He wasn't a trumper. People need to stop being so mean. Like people are becoming. Uh, I just think social media is the, the true evil of our of of this of this era. I believe it's it doesn't produce anything good. Only produces division, hatred, misconception. And I think I've not been on social media for almost three years now. Hasn't affected my life in any way. I encourage anyone that wants to take a chance to not know what some idiots eating for dinner tonight, you know, just get off of it. And you still text your friends and still photograph everything and send it to your friends. You just don't do it through that hate machine. It's a fucking hate machine. It's a division machine. It's a, it's a misinformation machine. Just get off social media. Call I, I, I'm your telling friends. you. Call huh? your friends. Call your friends and have a real discussion. Don't just chime in yeah. and like it. Or somebody from your circle die and have a memorial service. <laughs> With that comes new life. And my one of my best friends, Nate Harrington, had his son Noah on the 14th. So welcome, Noah Maida Harrington. And there's my grandson, Isaiah there. And uh, we'll just keep calm and carry on. And don't die, everybody. See you later.